What's up, everyone? I'm Casey Kasem, and this is my podcast, Get Real with Casey Kasem. For this week's episode, I sat down with Joe Bryant of Football Guys. The conversation was great, and he talked with me about value-based drafting, boats and barbecue, high school football in Texas, growing a website, his interest in business, and so much more. Make sure to check out footballguys.com and give Joe a follow on Twitter at football underscore guys. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at TheCaseyKasem and the podcast at GetReal underscore pod. This podcast is a proud member of the DAP Network. Oh yeah, P.S. This is the 50th episode. 50! We made it to 50! Here's to 50 more! And then some. Thanks everybody for your support. Now, enjoy my interview with Joe Bryant. Everybody is very excited that Joe Bryant is here with us today. I know you are listening at home. We're excited to be here as well. Joe, I'm thrilled to be able to sit down and talk with you because I haven't gotten that opportunity and we've been trying to get this worked out. It's finally working out. Thank you, Casey. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. And, you know, the first question I always ask people when they come on the podcast is, what is what was your relationship with sports like when you were growing up? Um, that's a great question. I, I was super into high school football. Um, and, um, I grew up in Texas and Texas high school football, as you may know, is somewhat of a religion. And we played Odessa Permian on our schedule. Um, I went to Amarillo high and Emerald, Texas, but we play Permian every year. And that's the, the, you know, the story for Friday night lights. And so I was immersed in all that. And, um, and I, I fell in love with football then, and, um, I, I, you know, I was, I was a good high school player, but wasn't good enough to play anywhere big in college. So that's when I, I quickly realized it was better to be a fan, um, as a freshman in college. And it's been, it's been that way ever since, um, baseball, oddly enough, I was, I was probably more into fantasy baseball as far as fantasy sports go right off the bat. I, I got in to that just, you know, in college in the, the, the mid to late eighties. And, um, so I started off first with fantasy baseball and then moved over to fantasy football. So when you were growing up, did you have a favorite sports team or sports teams? I did. I like this oddly enough, you know, and it's, see, this is, this is when you talk to old people like this case, you get into weird things that, you know, it was back then you didn't have obviously the internet when I was a kid. So you kind of pick who was on Monday night football. You only had a handful of games that you got to see your local, your local games. And, um, I was somewhat of a Cowboys fan, I guess, living in Texas, but then actually a Minnesota Vikings fan way back in the old days with Chuck Foreman and, and, um, Fran Tarkenton and, um, you know, those guys, Alan Page. And, and so that was, that was, that was a fun thing growing up. My brother was a big Los Angeles Rams fan and we had the, we had the uniforms you got from Sears catalog and um, <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a long time, but yeah. So yeah, long, long time ago, Howard Cosell doing Monday night football was kind of the first memories I have as a kid of, of football. And I remember we, you know, it was a big deal if you got to stay up for the halftime highlights um, that, you know, now red zone today, red zone today just feels like, you know, a surreal world, you know, like growing up there, you used to have to like wait till Monday to see <laughs> what happened on Sunday. Do but, you, yeah, that's fun. Do you remember any uh, plays or specific games that you remember watching that really set it in stone? Yeah, I would think, you know, people my age, and again, I'm old, um, the, uh, like the Steelers immaculate reception with Franco Harris, that was probably <laughs> the play of the, 
you know, the decade for a while there. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a big one. And then a little bit later, and I've got, a, we have a lot of friends and a lot of people on the football guy staff that are Bills fans. And it seemed for whatever reason, I seem to remember the, the Bills in the Super Bowl struggles and, and things there. <laughs> yeah, so, the, sorry, the, sorry, Victoria and Aaron. And I mean, Jeff. it's okay for me as a Cowboys fan. Oh, there you know? go. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So you talked about uh, fantasy baseball. How did you stumble across that? I think it was, it was, it was honestly from a uh, kind of a, a statistics interest angle and, Bill James, who you may know of, it was you know did a bunch of the kind of pioneering sabermetrics and, and analytics, diving in to stuff like that, kind of the money ball things that that where you know maybe we weren't looking at the right numbers um, that mattered and such. And I got intrigued by that. He used to do a, a an annual book um, and 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 or not annual, but regularly updated and and just would. It, a lot of it, what he would ask, you know, what is the real value of a, you know, a, a walk and, and where something like that, where you didn't, nobody paid much attention back then to walks. And, and he could make the case that you no, know, actually a walk is pretty dang important. And, and you guys are overrating, you know, these power hitters maybe, or you're, you're underrating some of these other things, or if you're playing fantasy baseball, you're underrating steals maybe, you know, and, and it's like stuff that maybe wasn't quite as glamorous. And that kind of led to um, the thing that I'm, I've done a long time with that value-based drafting. And where that really came about was with baseball, actually, when catchers who at that time didn't normally hit for much power, um, you could have a catcher that if you did have a catcher that hit for power, he was incredibly valuable because everyone else had to also start a catcher. And baseball is even more uh, sensitive to this than, than football and that a bad player will drag you down. I mean, sometimes you'd be better off even not starting a player. It's <laughs> so like when you had a really, I remember like Gary Carter, um, and I may get, be getting some of his stats wrong, but just somebody like that was a incredible value. He might only hit 19 home runs, but he was more valuable than an outfielder that hit 30 home runs. And and that started sort of playing in. It was valuable because you had to start a player at each position and you had restrictions there. And so that that started me down that road and just becoming interested. I guess some of it, too, was just the game factor. How do you win? You know, if you want to win this, how do you win? And Back then, most all baseball leagues were auction um, format, so it really pressure put pressure on the owners to get your, your your valuations right, and you had to come up with a good reason why Ricky Henderson was as valuable as Jose Canseco, even though one stole bases and the other hit home runs, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, that got me started just interested in it. And then when I started to look at fantasy football, there wasn't really much. It seemed like there was a whole lot more um, analytic work and thoughtful analysis being done back then at that time on baseball. And there really wasn't a whole lot on football. And my, my good friend and somebody that's been with us since the start on football guys, Doug Drennan was, is a math professor and, and kind of a Bill James for football, in my opinion. And he was writing on some of these things and, and we became close friends and started digging in. And the idea that, that hit me was why don't we do this kind of stuff for football? Like every, I see these other people doing for baseball and that that's kind of how I got into fantasy football. That's awesome. Yeah. A lot of people talk about starting off doing baseball and, and transitioning or doing both. Mm-hmm. 
And every, most of the time they'll, they'll say that fantasy baseball is harder than fantasy football. That's what I get. And I've, as a person who's played fantasy baseball, but only a little, I will say yes, but that's just because right. it's, 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 it's a, it's a different beast. <laughs> it's a different beast. Yeah. I don't know. It's any harder. It's, it takes because, and depending on how you play back the way we used to play when you would, you know, you had to make lineup decisions every single day. It was harder from the standpoint of you had to be on top of it more. Um, I don't think it's any hard. In fact, I would make the case in lots of, in lots of areas, it's it's easier to predict baseball because you have such a bigger sample size. You you got you know somebody's getting hundreds of at bats each year, and you can make a you know in in a hundred you know out of one hundred sixty two games, they might play in one hundred and fifty of them, and so you've got a giant sample size of data to to base your next year's projections off of. In football, it's so infrequent, you know, it's just a virtually you know a handful of games, lots of times, and. And, uh, you know, just so many less at quote at bats that it's a lot harder to predict. I think you have way less. It's way earlier in the cycle, usually for that added to that, that things change so much faster in football. You have someone that just a running back that wears down in, in a year or two and it just gets you, you start having massive changes and and drop offs and stuff. So, I, yeah, I. I, they, they both have their case. The baseball guys think they're smarter, but I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure they actually are. Has playing fantasy baseball helped you with fantasy football? Absolutely. Yeah, that it did back in it, it primarily on that positional scarcity thing. Mm-hmm. The catchers, I keep, you know, I, I just like that just cemented in my head, in my mind that like, oh, wow. When it struck me that, it, it, well, and it just didn't make sense. You'd have two players that would maybe have nearly identical stats, one being a catcher and the other being a first baseman. And and the fir- the catcher that could post first baseman like stats was way more valuable, even though they produced the same number of stats. And and it's just it, it's like a tight end that can catch. You know, it's like in, you know when you have a tight end going off, that that they actually can be way more valuable than a wide receiver doing the same numbers, just because there's a whole lot more wide receivers that you can replace those values with where there's just a handful of those elite tight ends. And if you have one of those, you can have a pretty strong advantage over your competitors at that one particular area. How do you feel about tight end premium leaks? Love it. I love, I love any rules that are weird, Casey. Um, Scott fish and I were having this conversation the other day and it's like, you know, everyone, some people like the rail. This is a good scoring system or this is a bad scoring system. And I'm, I'm completely scoring system agnostic. I don't care. In fact, give me something weird. I would rather have, you know, a super flex league is, is fantastic for someone who is into fantasy football because they understand that having 24 quarterbacks starting every week instead of 12 puts a dramatically or twice as much pressure on the demand for more quarterbacks. So no longer, you know, you bet you better get a good one because you might get stuck with quarterback, you know, 20 and 24. And so I, I love it. So I love tight end and tight end premium is the same way. When someone understands tight end premium and you can, you know, I'm obviously biased because we built our website and tools around those kind of things. Yeah. But when you can, you can, you know, sync your soaring system with football guys, league dominator draft dominator and it will correctly value the the scoring for these players based on what we project they're going to do run it through that scoring system and and you'll see dramatic increases in value you know for these top tight ends so i love it i love anything weird 
did, did you, when you first started playing fantasy football, was it basic stuff or did you throw in some wrinkles as well? Wait, it, it was funny. That's another, you're bringing up all kinds of fun memories here. Casey. <laughs> the first league back when I first started, it, it was way more common to have just touchdown only. Like, like yardage was, a, was a, I mean, it seems crazy now, but yardage was like this radical idea. And then, and, and then, you know, points, you know, PPR was crazier than ever back then. And, but this one, the league, I was in a league that had just crazy um, bonuses. And again, we just, it's something that we just made up, but it had these crazy bonuses for quarterback rushing stats. And so if you had a quarterback that ran for a touchdown, it was ridiculous. I, I forget <laughs> now what it was, but it was like, but what it made was like Michael Vick was like so far and away the best player when, you know, and, and in a normal scoring system, he was a top player. But in my goofy scoring system, he was like the one guy you had and was a league winner, you know. And so, yeah, I, I like I like the odd systems because it gives you room to exploit. I mean, you want to find you want to find a system. And I mean, I tell everybody this: if you have any say in setting your rules up, throw in some wrinkles there. That way, when, you know, the other person in your league that just goes off the Internet and gets a set of free rankings, they're going to have a lot harder time yeah. because they're going to go with an incorrect map, you know, for your league. And and so, yeah, I, I love odd leagues. So when you got through with high school, your high school career and you went on, what was the next step in, in your progression? Um, it was really just being a fan. I mean, I was, I got through college and, and was, was still playing fantasy baseball predominantly at that time. And, um, and, and was just really into it, diving deeper in the auction leagues. Um, again, just, and that's, that's kind of when that value-based drafting thing was percolating. And there was a lot in other, in baseball, um, written about that kind of concepts and scarcity. And I mean, it's just, it's not anything unique. It's, it's, it's basic economics, you know, supply mm -hmm. and demand determining a value. Uh, a funny story on that. I remember I, I went, I bought a guy back then, the, uh, the baseball, the Daniel Okrent, um, and, and several other people published a book each year, which, I mean, when you think of it, they were publishing values, estimated value ranges for baseball players, that that had to be i didn't know then how the publishing industry worked the reality of it was they probably were value you know the the rankings were two months old probably by the time you got the book um and most leagues back then used only american league or national league players you, you cut the league in half and drafted for these players and i remember um but they they published values you know and it was i think the league the dollar amount we used was 260 dollars was kind of the standard thing so i matched my league up with what they suggested that we did not do just all you know we did all the whole the whole league and i remember the first player up was ricky um uh no who was it ricky henderson i guess and and it, the, the book said ricky henderson should have a value of like 47 dollars and I got him for $32. And I thought, dang, I've stolen Ricky Henderson. Next guy's up, Mark McGuire. He has a value of $49 in the book. And I got him for $41. And I think, man, I'm, I'm crushing this league. And then it started to dawn on me that because I had the entire pool of players to pull from, and this book was created with only half that supply of players for each one, that I was massively overpaying for these players. It, should, <laughs> it wasn't really that Mark McGuire was worth $49. He's probably worth about $28 in that system. And here I was, and it, it took me for, I was, I was about two thirds of my salary cap spent before I realized I was in huge trouble. 
And, and that was, that was a good lesson into valuation for me. So after that, I did kind of, kind of set out, let's don't do this again. Let's figure out why these players will, you know, what makes them worth this amount of money. And that's, that's, and that, when you think of it, Casey, that's really what our game comes down to is how, who can best predict what the players are going to do. And, and, and then, you know, then you either have a draft or an auction and, and you have who, and then it becomes who most accurately values what each player is going to do. You can't just know the stats, you know, you could have perfect predictions and projections, but if you're not able to turn that into a value number, um, because most leagues, you know, and it really becomes like, it's like interpositional relations. And that sounds like a fancy word, but it basically means what is a wide receiver value compared to a quarterback. And, and it's not, if, 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 the, if they held every draft and just had just a quarterback draft, that would make things a lot easier, you know, then, cause then you wouldn't, but you don't get to just draft all quarterbacks. You have to, you have to draft everybody at once. And so then you've got to make decisions is an elite tight end, you know, worth a really great wide receiver who's, or versus a elite running back. And, and that's where the fun comes in. It's, it becomes kind of a puzzle and how you value things. I can totally see football guys written all over you with just talking about, the you know the start of everything so when you decided you know after college and everything what did you go on to do next i went um we started playing i I created back you know again it's the wild west back then it was like you could you know you you just decided you wanted to be an expert and and you weren't there was a big and it still is going i believe that the labr league for baseball and it's a basically a group of experts that that play it's like you know just a the top analysts play their baseball league, but there wasn't anything like that for football. And so I created uh, Greg Kellogg and I created a league called fan X. And it was basically, um, we took six of us kind of regular people from, uh, the old message board, the usenet.rec, which is way before your time, Casey. Yeah. Message boards. <laughs> um, and, I mean- yeah. And, and, and so we took six of us and then invited six industry experts guys like Bob Harris and, and, and um, I think Ian Allen maybe was in it and several other guys. And we created this league and we just appointed myself an expert and that, that really, and then we got, we just, we, we just started it and made it work and, and wound up going to a couple of conferences and, and held the, you know, built the website for it and ran it online. And Paul Charchin at Guillotine Leagues now was back then at Fanball. And we went to, we were, we had a draft at one of their uh, conventions and, and kind of put ourselves on the map in that way. Um, and then a few years after that, it, it became evident that there was an opportunity for business in this. And that's when we started Football Guys. And I met David Dodds, my friend and partner, and and we started the company back then and realizing basically just like a lot of things it was it was trying to fill a need for something that we wanted we you know we we looked at probably we we're playing fantasy football and i'm saying man i wish i had this or i had that and i saw other businesses filling that you know market in baseball but there wasn't really anyone doing it to, or doing what i wanted to have in football so we set out to create that for football and that's how football guys was, was started. And, and it really comes down, you know, I always say this, Casey, this is the thing for all businesses. It's not just fantasy football and not just fantasy sports. It's, it's, you know, what, what problem can we solve? 
And it's not that, hey, we're really great at fantasy football. That's that's not a problem for anybody. The problem to solve is someone out there is trying to win their league and and they either need some help in some way. They need either someone to curate things for them. They need someone to do the quote legwork and sort through the mountain of news and distill it down to what's important or they need someone to help them with projections and accurately predict these players it's whatever they need so our job is as the business is try and feel that need solve their problem and and that's what's i think you know if there's we managed to stay around for going on 22 years now and so um I, I'm, I'm i'm proud of that and i think that's because we always had that focus on solving the problem for you know the customer I love how customer oriented the website is, how everybody, you know, you've got a lot of staff and and everybody, you know, works real hard to, to make it that connective, you know, site mm -hmm. that you have. When you first found out there were other people out there that were like-minded, the internet was a big part of that, obviously. To, right. to, but when you were able to see that there were these people, how did you feel seeing somebody that liked the same kind of numbers and the, it had the same kind of questions you had? That, that's a great question too. See, it's again, this, this, I, we don't want to turn this to old guy football central here, <laughs> but, but it is fun now of how fun and popular fantasy football is. It wasn't always that way. And, and back, you know, in 2000, it was a little bit of an odd thing and you had to explain to people what it was and, I mean, now, I mean, like you rarely, I, I bet, I know I don't have to explain what fantasy football is to right. somebody. They may not play, but they know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, but back then it was kind of like finding, wow, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not weird. You know, there's somebody else that, that likes this as well. And, and then it started, you know, then that's when the idea for the business side of it came, started forming of like, wow, there's a lot of people that are like me, not just a few like me. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that are, are they desiring the same thing I'm desiring. And so let's figure out how to, you know, get something for them. And so, yeah, it was super fun, but, um, and yeah, that was, that's been a long time ago, but our, our business it grew up on the internet and what it was born on the internet and grew up on the internet and still lives on the internet. We've been remote since day one. I mean, the the pandemic for all the awful stuff with it was was in some ways kind of interesting sometimes i mean i had a buddy of mine calls me up two years ago and like dude what's a zoom call <laughs> like what are you oh, talking man. about what's a zoom call it's like that's how we've lived forever you know <laughs> so we were already used to that but that our business was built on you know on that kind of internet connection and 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 honestly it's it's we would have never happened if i would have had to form every person contributing to it in just my local area you know i mean yeah. i live in knoxville tennessee and i mean that's not a it's not a tiny town it's a normal size medium-sized town but but when you open up the whole world yeah. as a potential talent base um that you get you really get incredible people and i think that was a key for us early on we had folks from you know california to you know the uk and and so that it really opened things up and so it was fun. It's fun connecting <laughs> with someone that you think is odd. You have an odd hobby and you find they yeah. love it too. That's awesome. That is so, that is so cool. So because I have never really worked on a website or anything like that, that's like <laughs> foreign to me. H how was that process? Like deciding we're going to start this website. We're going to do this thing. Mm -hmm. What was going on in your head? 
well, what was going on in my head was that I needed help. <laughs> and, and that was where the partnership with David worked so well. I met David's a genius and, and was super tech oriented. And he had already done some other web, another website, site called Mr. Football. That was great. And so he, he already, you know, he understood the tech side of it and the database side and how we were going to do all that. And then I had a good grasp, I think on the, the, the content side. And so it made a, it made a really good, uh, you know, a good partnership to start there. And I always tell people it's a lot, you know, it's kind of like a marriage. Ideally the, you know, your partner, you know, compliments you and things you do. You may, hopefully they're good at something that maybe you're not great at and you're good at something maybe they're not great at and together, you know, it makes a, a really great team. And, and back then, too, it was a lot different then. I mean, now when you start, you don't really need that kind of tech expertise because there's so many tools out there. You just, you know, you have a website up and running on Wix, you know, or, or you know, something like that. Just these almost ready built websites that you just start. You don't need a ton of technical experience. And, and you know, WordPress makes things so easy with all the plugins and, and all that. You It really kind of takes away some of that need to be able to program stuff now when you get into the complex things the stuff we're doing obviously we have a ton of stuff that still is mm -hmm. programmed and all of our tools and, and and apps and those kind of things are, are 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 difficult but it's it's easier to get in it's easier to start now than it was back then because we had to create so much stuff from scratch i mean we, when we did a podcast we had to i mean there was no libsyn back then i mean we had our own servers and doing all this crazy stuff for podcasts now you can drop in on anchor and spotify and Streamyard, and yeah. just you're up and running <laughs> and then the beauty of that though i'll say this casey it's kind of like it's kind of like iphones and cameras and such i mean the stuff you can make now for like a video on an iphone is is stuff that that when i was a kid you had to be on a studio at, you know, and you had to have a pass at the movie set or something, you know, or to make something with music, you had to rent time in a real studio or something. And now, you know, you have a, a MacBook and, and garage band and a few microphones and you're, you know, you're off to the races. So it's, it's opened up. It's a lot, it's made it so much more accessible for so many more people. And I just think that's, that's incredible. That's awesome. It's sort of the democratization of talent. I call it, if you're, you know, like even, I mean, even, but even 30 years ago, we could have never done what we did with having a voice in sports. I mean, you used to have to know somebody at Sports Illustrated or have an uncle at ESPN or, you know, have some kind of in that you didn't earn. You just had to get in or you, or you maybe earned it. You had a great, you know, degree from Michigan in journalism or Missouri in journalism or the right, the right schools. Now it's like, if you're good, get on a mic and, and show us what you got. And, and the, the, the world decides whether you'll, you know, pass or fail. And, and I just think that's awesome because this lets so many more people have a shot at it and it's massively elevated, you know, the, the quality of stuff, the, the yeah. reader and listener wins in the end because they're the ability, the, the quality of stuff today and it, I see it every single year. It's it's not just like, I mean, it's moving so fast. I see a new podcast pop out and I'll look at the video and the, the intro is incredible. The graphics are awesome. It, you know, it looks like something ESPN would do. And I look in the, 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 the you know, the person's got eight followers, yeah. you know, it's like, they're just starting right. and it's like out of the gate, they're doing something that 10 years ago, ESPN would have aired, you know, and it's like, so it's so fun and it, it's, it's fun to be part of it. 
Now it's pressure. There's pressure <laughs> for the old old sites like us to keep up. You know, it's like, man, you better you. This is no place to be complacent. You know, 2022 <laughs> is is cruel to the the complacent people, and which is fine. You just, I mean, it, it is what it is. So you better you better you get in and go because there's a lot of people out there and they're hungry and they're they're doing really great stuff. So it, but it's a great time to be a sports fan. I love I love it. I love the community. I love everything about being able to talk to people and, and learn more about them. And so I totally get it. And like the internet has been such a game changer for so many things, obviously, mm -hmm. but like with fantasy football, when you guys first started being, you know, something that was ahead of the game, how did, how were you able to spread the word about what you were doing? That's that. If you figure that out, Casey, even today, you let me know. Okay. Because that, I mean, the, the, we've got one of the unique problems, the beauty of the internet yeah. is social sharing. You know, you, it's so easy if you have a cool band or a cool clothing brand or a cool restaurant or you know, any of these things that you think are cool, you're incentivized to share because it, you get status points. You know, I was like, Oh, I know, you know, Casey, she's the music person. And when she shares something, you know, you, you know, it's legit. So, and everyone is kind of that way. Everyone likes to share and everyone gets credit for sharing except for competitive games like fantasy sports where people see you as their secret weapon and they have virtually no incentive whatsoever to share you with their competitors. And it's a real thing. You know, the about the only thing that I think I can compare it to is like a raffle. You know, you come across or a sweepstakes, you come across a thing that, Hey, you know, your favorite band is doing a secret show. And, and at this location, the first, you know, hundred people, get a ticket you're not telling anybody about that until the tickets are sold you know or maybe your best friend but you're not you're not broadcasting that so yeah. we we struggle with that in a big way of mm -hmm. how you know to get people to share and now fortunately we've been doing it long enough and we, we're kind of you know uh, thankfully we're not that much of a secret anymore so um, you kind of get it i mean i'm sure these guys would like no one to, in their league to know about espn too but or Twitter, but that's already out of the bag, you know? So um, <laughs> those things are sort of out. So we, we, we did it. And, and we, to your point though, that is really how all of our stuff grew because we had virtually zero advertising. We, we have put, you know, almost no money in marketing ever. Um, and just let the product kind of stand on its own and try to build it that way. And that's, that's, that's been, that's been a thing for us, but it is a real challenge on how you break that, break through that of, Hey, nobody wants to share you. <laughs> Were you ever worried when you first started that maybe it wouldn't take off the way that it did, or you wouldn't find success with it? Yes. Um, and fortunately we never, we never took any giant risk except for time. Um, we started the company with $500. I mean, we've never borrowed a penny. We've never taken any venture capitalist money. We've never, we've never done any of that. So there was never any real risk of like, Oh, we're, financially you know hurt if this thing doesn't work it was really just our time and um so we you know we started off and you may enjoy this part it was this was a funny thing we did it for two years for free absolutely no no charge and we knew we you know back then and today still there's basically two ways to make money on the internet you either have a, a subscription service you know like wall street journal online or football guys or or any of that or you have a free model that depends on advertising and um, 
I knew I, I made the and obviously both have massive merit and and can work either way. Personally, I was always more in favor of the subscription model just simply because your revenue coming in was totally tied to how good a job you did with that customer. It was a one-on-one. If I if I provide value for that customer, they'll pay me money each year. The other way with, you know, a, an advertising model, you're at the mercy of a, an ad budget somewhere when Coca-Cola or Chevy Trucks or Kings for Charcoal decides they don't want to do advertising on the internet anymore. Banners, that money could go away even yeah. though you were doing a great job. So we we knew we wanted to choose the subscription model, but we also knew that we couldn't just start off out of the gate. Nobody knew who we were and to say, hey, you should give us money. So we went totally free for two years. And then on our third year, we knew that we, I mean, I'm, for the for me to stay married and for David to, <laughs> to to keep going and doing what he was doing, we knew we had to charge some money. And so we 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 and, and the big giant question was how many of our free subscribers? And at that time, we had thirty thousand people on our free email distribution list. We talked for months. How okay? How of those thirty thousand? How many will pay? And and it's funny. Even now today, it's such a relatively new industry and business model. Nobody really knows. You know, I mean, you can. Yeah some things like old businesses like direct mail you can run a direct mail you know advertising campaign targeting landscape in this zip code and you can guarantee you'll get about x per, it might just be 0.1% but you know sort of what you're going to get in our thing there's just been or in the internet business there's been so few businesses go from that free to pay that there just wasn't a lot of track record out there so we had everything we we guessed about 5 to 10% would be our number of the 30,000 people would convert to pay. And, but we didn't know. And we made this big build up and we told people it was coming and all this. And we were scared to death. And the question was how many of those 30,000 would go And we rolled it out, put the paywall up in the first week, 15,000 people paid. So we had half of our, our free audience um, converted to pay. Now that would not be true today, you know. We, we, I mean, we, you, as, you, as that audience grows, we, we have a little bit over six hundred thousand people on the on the free subscription side now, but and not half of them pay now. But but that back then, that's what happened. So it was that was how we started. And once once we had fifteen thousand customers, it was like, wow, this is this can be a thing, and 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 let's start building from there. But that's kind of when I knew, and 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 it, but even then, there was no risk if it had ever failed. It would have just been, hey, the time is, you know, we, we plush the time and it was fun doing it while, yeah. you know, and so I, to that end also, it's funny, Casey, I, I've gotten more interested now. I'm as interested in business as I am fantasy football. So I, I, I think probably our next thing, my next thing very likely will be how do we help business people, whether it's your hobby is RVs or succulent plants or bowling or whatever it is to turn that into a, a business that you like. But I would encourage everybody, um, you know, don't be crazy about it. Don't, don't sign your life away. But if you can take a shot at um, turning a side hustle into something that might make it and all you've really ever lost is time, you haven't lost anything, you know, and if anything, you'll regret not trying it, I think. Um, and, and, and nobody owns regret. So I always encourage people, if you can do it without any giant loss, you'll be smart about it. But if you can do it where at worst case scenario, you're really just losing your time. Uh, I encourage people to go for it there. And that's, that's what we did. 
Yeah, that's my problem is I have a new side hustle like every two weeks. Like yeah, <laughs> my, my intention span, I'm like. <laughs> well, talented you know. people, like I know you are. Y'all have that struggle. Um, my daughter's <laughs> like that. She's she's 21 and has yeah. um, a million things, you know, that she can pick from. And yeah. sometimes that is a curse. Sometimes like yeah. you've got <laughs> so many things that it's uh, hard. Yeah, yeah, you'll find it. Well, you know, so you brought up your wife. So I was going to ask you, how did your family respond to you deciding to go ahead with all of the football guy stuff? They thought it was kind of cute. I think um, <laughs> it was, I mean, my dad is funny. My, my dad to this day, God bless him. He, he's 80 years old and he, he doesn't even use email Casey. He's that, he's that, he knows the internet exists and of course yeah. and all that, but <laughs> he thought I was like, okay, it's like I'm stamp collecting or something, you know, just like, just totally a fun hobby. And, and, but again, it wasn't hurting anything. It wasn't like I was pouring, you know, I wasn't spending half my paycheck on it or anything like that. And, and we did, we could, you know, even back then we could, um, we could do, you know, what we were doing with at and it's still, it was still just mostly sweat equity. It wasn't, and we spent some money on servers and, and that kind of thing. But, um, it was, it wasn't much cost to, to do what we were doing. So it, nobody really minded. It was, but I did have to balance that was, and that was kind of the thing that, you know, I was saying it at, at, at two years in, we needed to see if this could be a viable business. Cause I couldn't do that forever. I knew I, if I was spending this much time uh, at that time, I had two children and, and there were two more would eventually come into the picture. And, and so it, it would have been unfair to them, you know, to spend as a dad, to spend all this time over here on something that didn't really have a return to it. Um, so yeah, but they, they, I think, I think it was a mix to answer your question. It was a mix of, ah, uh, that's kind of weird. And yeah. And, but now my wife was, was into it from the get and because she's our business manager, she ran everything for us. So she, you know, she managed all that and still does. So, um, she, and she, she's the most capable person I've ever been around. So, um, she, I think she, she, and, and, and she said, you know, I think you're kind of crazy, but I like, I, I trust you and let's see where this goes. And, and, um, and, and today, you know, I think, I think that was a good choice. Is she a fan of fantasy football by any chance? She's a little bit of a fan. She, yeah, yeah that's a good, this is, <laughs> you've got all kinds of good questions, Casey. She's, I'm thinking she's not all that much into it. And, um, um, I, we do a draft a couple years back and, and she's just crushing this draft. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you, what is happening here? And she goes, um, and then she like lets it slip that Sigmund said, this <laughs> was, so she's got Sigmund Bloom and Jason Wood and like all my guys coaching her up. And yeah, so, um, she, she likes it to the extent that she's more of a casual fan and, and she keeps up with it, you know, for just so she kind of know about what's going on but uh, yeah she's more of a casual fan but she's super competitive like yeah she she won she got we had a staff wordle um competition that she didn't do as well as she liked there and she was so happy that she won our march madness staff <laughs> contest there so she's she's very competitive <laughs> I love to hear that. I really do. <laughs> it's it's really cool when family is at least, you know, got the competitive side. So. They do. Yeah. They crushed me in it. Yeah. So I was like, I, I went with my heart and picked uh, Tennessee to win. That was not a wise decision. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's into it. And then actually our, some of my other children are involved with us too. So it is kind of, a, I never really set out for that 
to be the case. Um, but that's been how it's played out and it's, it's been great. It's, it's, it's been super fun and they make it easy for me because they also, they happen to be super good at what they're doing too. So it makes it fun. So going back to when you were talking about, you know, paywalls and everything, how do you determine what to put behind a paywall and what stuff to offer for free? You, you might be, you, you, you I feel like you've got a, a wire bug on my office here. That's <laughs> the kind of stuff we talk about every day. You want to, if you're going to be, um, you obviously need to have a ton of free content out there to prove yourself. You know, you can't, you know, even though we've been around a long time, there's still tons of people every day that stumble upon us that don't know anything about us. And so mm -hmm. they, they're not just going to sign up because I say it's good. So you've got to be able to show what you can do, show your work and give a ton away. If you give so much away that there's no reason for anyone to ever buy, you're going to have the worst thing possible. You're going to have a free website with no av revenue coming in <laughs> and you'll just, you know, go out of business eventually. So we, we try, um, and we we feel like we've done a pretty good job with this over the years, and for a lot of it, it's been time based. We'll be we'll have most all of our content free from now until you know midsummer type, and so that gives a whole lot of information out there. And even if you even if you don't come upon us until you know August, when mo a lot of stuff is behind the paywall, you can at least look back at our stuff we've done through the you know the summer and see and get a sense for do these folks know what they're talking about or not or is this something that i think i'd like and so it's it's that that freemium model is is really you know about a a, a seesaw where where you put that fulcrum point of where's enough where, where to give enough to where they love you and and still like it and then where they'll pay and, and i think we've 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 mostly navigated that pretty well we, we obviously make mistakes but i think mostly we've done a pretty good job and it's mainly respecting that customer i, I think you give them most people we find they're they're not opposed to paying for something they think of value they just got to be able to see the value you know and so if if you can show them how good the content is and what they're going to get it's not like they're freeloaders people that don't want to pay aren't aren't by and large i don't think do it because they're they don't want to spend money. They don't want to spend money for something they're not pretty sure of that there's yeah. going to work for them. And then, then we also do a 30 day money back guarantee. So you come in, buy the thing. We want to take away, you know, any kind of obstacle. Someone comes in, doesn't like it. And is like, no, no harm. You know, we'll, I don't want anyone to have paid and not, you know, not be happy with what they got. And we, you know, I wish we could promise, championships to every single customer you know we can't yeah, wouldn't that you be got, nice you got six people out of your league all using our service somebody yeah is gonna come in <laughs> six there you know um but yeah but that's that's uh, but that that is and, and it's not just us though fortunately most all of our problems today casey are also being experienced by a whole lot of other businesses out there you know and so you might have a coaching consultant business and they've got that exact same problem so there's a lot of talk about it and and a lot of stuff written about it and i think we've mostly you know been able to get it right over the years and you have a there's a staff of people over there we've brought them up already about Mm -hmm. having that group how do you determine the type of person that you want working for the site and representing the site i'm i'm 
that's I've only gotten out. The joke is Casey, and it's not a joke because it's true. If I didn't own the site, I don't know that I could get a job here anymore <laughs> because we've got so many super smart people about football. And my 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 job over the years is kind of morphed into you know from being the player to being the coach. And I'm I'm the I'm the general manager. I'm the one now that tries to set vision and assemble the team and put it out there you know i mean sigmund bloom is our tom brady i'm i'm just trying to be the gm and put these guys um in the, in the right places to win so it i think the biggest thing um is well back up a little bit from that with that being said i think that's probably always how it should have been because everybody can do you know everybody has gifts and things they do well and don't do well the one one or two things that I do well is identified talent. I think I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know why, but I'm just able to kind of see that pretty well. And and so um, I in the number one part of that identifying talent, I think, and it's, this is where it differs maybe from from some places, is that I think you have to be a person that we want to hang out with. Aside from before before we even talk about your football knowledge, if if there you're not someone that that you know kind of fits in our and our thing, would we want to have a beer with you, a cup of coffee with you, hang out with you for a weekend? Um, it, 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 that's sort of a, you know, kind of a non-starter thing for us or a, a must have thing for us. And then from there, we, that weeds out and that, that there's a lot of really super smart people and no offense to them, but it just doesn't fit our thing. And, and so, um, we try to get that to start with, find somebody. And because to me, I think it, it translates to the customer and probably the primarily the primary thing I'm looking for in that is somebody that's interested in serving. Like, can we, can we get, can they be, we talk a lot about being the guide and we're not the hero in this story. We're the guide. We, we're Yoda here and the customer is Luke. So that, that takes a kind of person that's a little bit less about, oh, about me and more about how you can help that other person. And it's, it's usually a person that's a little more selfless and, doesn't mind sharing their things and we've you know if you're in this and like man i'm, I'm gonna hold all my secrets tight because <laughs> i've got a big dfs contest going and i'm not going to share anything that's not going to work for us you know and, and i understand that i totally get why they wouldn't want to share that with you know our customers but but that's not how we do it so the kind of the, the first thing first is we want somebody that we just like hanging around with and and then second is do they have that mindset of helping that other person get what they're looking for not just how smart they can look and and you know i mean you know twitter there's there's a hand you see a lot of this all through and and again and, and not to say that there aren't sites that can't do that very well we I'm, I'm i'm absolutely not saying our way is the right way it's just the way that that's been right for us and that's that's worked for us we 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 kind of attract i think that kind of customer that fits our vibe and 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 it's fortunately there seems to be enough of those out there to make it, you know, continue to work for us. And you have so much going on with the site because it's so customizable and everything. Mm -hmm. What is the importance of not of your site, not just focusing on like redraft or focusing on one specific thing, but having that wide variety of options? Yeah, that's the thing too. The danger on that Casey is you don't want to turn in, you know, to Walmart. You don't want to turn into the mm -hmm. thing that does everything kind of good, you know, and, yeah. and, um, the flip side of that is the, one of the beauties of fantasy football is there are a whole lot of different ways to play. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I love it that we have people into 
IDP or people in the best ball or people in the dynasty or Devi or straight up redraft or auction. And so, you know, just even those that just that right there is a pretty wide range and you want to be appealing enough to folks, but you also don't want to water things down. So we constantly are, are asking ourselves that question of how can, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, I don't know the right way to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm competitive enough where I don't, I don't, I don't easily concede that we can't be the best at a certain category. And it's like, so why, why not? Why not us? Why are we not the leader in this particular category? Yeah, it's part of, it's one of five different categories that we cover, but who, why don't we lead here? Why, you know, you tell me why we can't do it. If it was really just a, a point of, you know, getting the people in and me kind of trying to manage it from the ring top area, um, that's doable. So like, I, I, but I love it that there's such a diverse, you know, ways to play baseball. And I, I, I've lost touch with fantasy baseball mostly, but I don't know if it still is this way, but back when, back then, when I started, you played only one way. It was, it was, you know, an auction with this, this way. And, and if you might screw up, whether you have AL or, you know, only mix them <laughs> all together, but outside of that, it was pretty set. It was 14 teams, I think, or 12 teams. It was a, it was a pretty strict way. And to get out of that was a little bit blasphemous. Now, sometimes that's fun, when you all are playing in the exact same format format, you can have your league in Tennessee and, and meet someone from California in their league. And you both can talk about the value of Ricky Henderson and you stole Ricky Henderson in your league at 39 and he's got him for 42. And it's, you know, it's that kind of thing. So there is value to that, but the reality for football is it's way more diverse in the system. So there we have to, you know, to cater to as many as we can, but even within you should see my email box. You know, if you, if you read my email box, you would think every single person in the world played a 32 team IDP dynasties, Debbie Superflex. you know, and, and it's just, that's hard because yeah. you still have, and of course nobody call, you know, you, I know no one sends an email that says, Hey Joe, this is exactly what I was looking for. You know, thank you for that. It's yeah. always what you don't have, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so we try to get strike that balance. You want to give as much as you can, and cover as many people as you can, but you also have to be careful. You don't turn it into a bloated mess, you know, and kind of the standard for that, I guess we'll go back and say, okay, yeah, we're going to have that and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But can someone still walk into football guys that only wants this regular 10 team redraft with PPR scoring and still easily get what they want without feeling like they're bombarded mm-hmm. with a billion different other things. And it's kind of, it's tricky. You know, it's, it's tricky. Clarity is, is tricky. It's really hard. It sounds easy. You know, everyone, I said, I'll just make your web, you know, your homepage should look like Google. It's just got a blank box. And it's like, well, that's great. If you're selling a search engine, you know, it's like, <laughs> we're, so we're a lot more like food network, you know, yeah. with all these kinds of options. And you're trying to be clear for a person that comes in wanting you know, an Italian recipe in the midst of all these other kind of food items. And how do you get that clearly? And that's, that's probably our biggest challenge is how we make a ton of information easily accessible. And I don't know, we we don't do that very well still. I think we can do better in lots of ways with that. Oh no, you guys do a pretty good job. If you ask me, Oh, (laughs) the value-based drafting. Um, since you brought that up and I really know that it's very intriguing to me, but there are people out there that might not know anything about 
what that whole concept is. Can you explain to the people listening that don't know what that is? Sure. And it's really the, the core of that Casey is that, um, you're, you're not just starting, you're not just trying to determine the value of a player at any position. Your, your task is as a fantasy player to field a starting lineup based on whatever you decide it is one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a flex maybe, and one tight end. And, and so your value, your job is them to take this, that structure and then figure out how all these players fit into it. And where it, where it comes into mind is, so you're not just comparing the one quarterback to another quarterback, you're comparing a quarterback to a tight end, to a wide receiver, to a running back. And that makes it a lot more difficult then because there are different size player pools for each one of those positions with, with tight ends, you know, you've got your, you know, 40 draftable tight ends maybe. Um, and, and they, each one of the, the GMs in your league is going to have to start one of those tight ends. So if you have 12 owners, you're going to start 12 starting tight ends each week. Well, if you have that same league, with 12 GMs and you're starting three wide receivers, there's 36 wide receivers that will be started that week. So you have a much bigger pool availability for wide receivers than you do tight ends. So then you start having to, to do the math and the calculation of, okay, a player that scores eight touchdowns and 900 yards is going to score this many points, but those that value of those points for a tight end is worth way more than those nine touchdowns and 800 yards, whatever, for a wide receiver. Um, and it, it really comes in to start measuring against like the the, uh, the peers at that position. So you're measuring tight ends against a baseline of like the worst tight end or the worst starter or an average or kind of we have a lot of, of, of algorithm magic stuff that we'll put in there to, to determine that, just dial it into the tightest degree. But it, it becomes a thing of not all points are created equal. Um, and it's kind of the same with kickers. People sort of intuitively understand that with kickers. Nobody drafts a kicker early because right. there are a ton of good kickers. He's like, well, I can, I can wait on a kicker and get, cause they're all about the same relatively. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of them that'll be ready at the end. Cause there's a <laughs> lot of the supply of kickers. Um, and for some reason though, people don't really, you know, take that concept into the other positions. It's why in Superflex is probably the other easy way to see it. When you have, you know, Superflex where you're starting two quarterbacks, the demand then on a 12-team league, instead of 12 quarterbacks, you're starting 24 quarterbacks as the league. So somebody's going to be starting a pretty rough quarterback each week. So you have a massive value. If you've got a top quarterback, the delta, the difference between that person and then the, the 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 GM starting, you know, the terrible quarterbacks at twenty two and twenty four is going to be pretty massive. Um, so that's and it and it, it, it that sounds more complicated than it really is. It's really just valuing against each, you know, the baseline and the available players at that position, and then you put it all into one big, you know, one big pot, and then let them sort out. And then the beauty too, all of our tools are totally built all around that, so we'll do all that for you with the draft dominator and, and our website, but you can do it yourself too. It's just, it's just work to do it on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Anything that can make our lives easier, you know, we're, that, I'm we're about happy that about too, that. Casey. That's yeah. Well, in this day and age, you know, and that, and that really, you go back to problems. That's, that's a thing. You're solving that problem of time in that mm -hmm. you've got, I don't know anybody that sits around and goes, man, I've just got too much free time on my hands. Yeah. Yeah, and wait. so if you can say, Hey, I'll, I'll put this together for you. 
I'll put, you know, the, the projections in this and the valuation in that and do all the math and, and have this and let this spit out for you. That's a value for lots of people. And, and it's still now there's tons of decisions. I'm also a big believer. I think you are too on this. I read your stuff is, is you're, you know, this, we're not running your team for you. We're a, we're a tool We're we're one more thing in your toolbox that you can, you know, pull out of here and weigh us against your own, you know, your own thoughts. And I mean, most everybody, the whole base of being, you know, a, a fantasy, you know, sports player is that you think, you know, better than the GM of your real team, you know? And so you want to make those calls. You want to put that player in the game or not. And, so we we highly encourage that kind of stuff. We we love being the guide. Well, it's your decision ultimately. We'll like to give you input and to help you make decisions. And for the people, I don't know how many people you've actually had to deal with like this, but I know that there are people out there that get upset very easily if they the advice that they're given is quote unquote wrong, right? Even right. if it's not like wrong because of anything you had to do, it, it was wrong <laughs> because the guy twisted his ankle or the guy, you right. know. So, um but how do you deal when somebody's upset like that? If you've ever had to deal with something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Ever like in every, every, every Monday, you know, it's like, <laughs> and it's reality. I, I yeah. it, it's a two edged. It's funny. I, I used to kind of take it personal Casey, cause you get well, one. I think most people don't realize that I, that I read every email that comes in. I mean, we, when you send out 600,000 emails, each day you get a lot of feedback and because it's my and that's my real email address is the reply to you know so it comes back to me and and I think a lot of people they'll write some really I mean, I should I, I, I should I, that that maybe that might be a fun feature take out all the names but just publish my email box sometimes <laughs> but but I'll get some crazy stuff and some ugly stuff and some funny stuff and and it's usually, you know, that I've ruined their life that, um, they, you know, I told them to start this player and the, the guy that the fluke came out of nowhere that nobody else yeah. thought either, you know, it's not, it's not like we're saying bench, you know, Patrick Mahomes here. Um, but you know, something crazy happened and, and, and almost always my tact on that is, is I have a pretty normal reply back. It's like, dude, I'm sorry. You know, this like this, I, I'm with you because very likely I, you know, I, I, I hurt that by i mean the same thing that that i i mean that they're upset about i've maybe done myself as well in one of my leagues and it's like i feel you i wish we could have a perfect crystal ball we don't what we can promise you is that we'll do our dead level best to you know exhaust everything we can to try to get you the right information and and almost every single time they'll come back and it's like, Oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. know anybody was going to read that or, That's exactly you know, it. I was in a bad mood or something. And part of it, it's nice and that they're so passionate about it. I mean, I, yeah. I love feedback's a gift. I mean, and I think you have to look at it that way. So I was like, I'll tell our guys, you know, our, our, our staff is like, and you know, they cared enough, you know, what you, what you, the worst thing can happen is nobody cares. And so it's like, they'll, I'll stress to them, they cared enough to write this. They're passionate about our sport that they care enough to, you know, to fire something off. And so I welcome that. It's, it's, uh, and it, it, it's really turned out in a good way. I mean, some of it's, some of it's off the chain a little bit, but, but by and large, it's all good. 
<laughs> yeah, I had a Matthew Barry story where I sent him an email because he had blocked me. I, I had Matthew on here, so we had this uh -huh. whole laugh about it. But like I, I said back in the day, well, everybody I was, should block was Matthew. Little, yeah. <laughs> back in the day, I was a little jerk, you know, who was like, "My team's so good. Why are you telling me that my team's not great?" So <laughs> yep. everybody, yeah. So uh, yeah, I learned my lesson. But I was like, "Oh, I'm just going to send an email, and he's not going to read this, but he read it. So, he probably does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, learned That's my fun. lesson too. I was like, "Sorry, sorry, but." <laughs> the good one on that is we'll do this rate my team thing where you input your team and they'll give you a grade yeah. and 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 that was a, you, you can imagine casey when we built that it, i'm thinking to myself okay well i don't want to be harsh on people i don't want to like you know rip them but also i well also i knew the first thing anybody's going to do first thing i would do would be put a terrible team in there and see what they give me you know and yeah, then right. so and then i almost like i'd fake one and see if they oh these guys are just you know you know spraying sunshine here on everything so it, we try to be realistic about it and because it is a zero-sum game i mean not every of all 12 teams in the league somebody's going to come in last and exactly. and 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 not everybody's going to have a great team that we think even from the draft and so we but i always get at the end of a year people that have copied and saved their you know c plus ranking that we gave their draft and and like hey you were wrong and and my answer always is i'm so happy <laughs> that i was yeah, wrong right? there i mean great good for you buddy i'm glad and Way to go. and so but but again it goes back to they cared they cared yeah. enough that they they you know and it's like guys i mean we that's a gift for us man that they that they valued our opinion even if we disagree we didn't like their stuff they valued that enough to carry it for a year or a season and yeah so that's awesome but i love the passion in this sport i think that's my we we've taken more or less a conscious decision casey over the years to to stay true i, I guess maybe the, the you know stay true to your first love of le local um leagues i mean that's our that's our backbone that's what when we started that's all there was i mean there wasn't right. any dfs or legal sports book and, and all that kind of stuff so the whole thing was you and 11 buddies or nine buddies or 13 whatever it was buddies staying together having a draft and maybe they were high school friends or college friends or whatever maybe you still live in the same town maybe you don't um whatever it, it was but it was a communal fun thing and as the way people play fantasy sports has progressed over the years and we participate in those too obviously we have dfs content and we love the big leagues i mean the ffpc folks are some of my closest friends and we partner with them on our football guys players championship big contest with fifteen thousand teams this year and half a million dollars for first prize i love all that mm -hmm. but the the core of what we do is that local league that's that's the backbone the heartbeat of this whole thing so i i love it that we've kind of managed to stay tight with that and and again it's but it's people that are passionate i mean they are passionate about that and this year we've got some really fun stuff coming um with um kevin murray's going to help us do a lot of stuff with commissioner things and okay. how are we diving into that commissioner side and commissioner i always think commissioner is fun in that it's really sort of two-sided half of it is sort of the accountant lawyer angle of getting the rules right and the format and structure and you know making sure everyone plays by the rules but the other half of that is like party director. I mean, it's like, yeah. how are we going to make this thing fun? How are we going to have excitement in our league? How are we going to encourage smack talk and, 
you know, funny memes and this kind of stuff in the league chat. And and so I, I love that kind of stuff. And that that's really you're, you hope you're able to see. But there's going to be a concerted push back into that area for us this year. That's awesome, too, because you don't see a lot of like content like that out right. there. And it's very helpful for us that are like struggling to get like our league the way that we want it right. to be. Getting... And what are your thoughts on live drafts? Love them. Yeah. yeah. Now I love both. I mean, this, um, I mean, Scott fish is one of my close friends and, and I love the, although he's going to do some live drafts this coming year. Yeah. I hope that's not a spoiler. Sorry, Scott. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, I love, I love live draft. Live, live draft is the best. If you, you know, if you're, if you're super serious about this and you want every edge, you can win, you know, to win a live draft favors the more prepared person, you know, because they just can't, they don't have any, any any crutches or any tools right. to rely on um with that said a lot of times a, a fun i mean the scott fish draft that goes out over you know a slower time period is super fun as well because it it kind of pro is like mardi gras you know it goes on yeah. for a little while um but yeah and and drafting so is to me i think most people agree that to me that's the biggest problem with a dynasty you know league is that you don't get the full redraft every year you know you don't mm -hmm. get the giant i mean it's fun to draft the rookies, of course, but um, I, I love the draft. The draft to me is the the most fun, you know, day of the year for the league. Definitely. I mean, I, it's like Christmas morning. You're freaking out. Right. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to draft. Right. My home league does a live draft and like three-fourths of the league's not prepared when they go because really? they okay. just want to drink and like have fun. Like yeah, by the end of the, the draft, it's like they're just picking guys. It's like, yeah. whatever, you know, yeah, whatever. And as long as we're having fun, like that's right. Well, and that's the key. That you're not, you're going to, that that's yeah. I mean, yeah. we're all about winning, but to me it's, it, you got to have fun. I oh, mean, for sure. It's a little like cooking. I mean, I don't, I, I, I love cooking and, and you see some of these folks and that you see them in the kitchen and they're just like stressed to the max, you know, they've got everything perfect and they're they're. It's all about just following an exact rule and all this. And it's like, then you see the person is cooking and they're like, just in there, just enjoying themselves, having fun and have a byproduct that comes from that. And it's just a, to me, it's just a lot more, it's a better way to, to do almost anything. So yeah, have fun with it. But I always say it's more fun when you win. Truth. It is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great fun when you can win and just, have a great time with your right. friends you know that's that's the best and that's right. that's basically how fantasy football's like breaking it down coming when you first started playing fantasy football you started playing in a league more than likely with all your friends so yeah right. it, it is just such a great great time and you brought up food you brought up cooking and i know we were talking off air about barbecue and you you have can you tell everybody just a little uh story about what barbecue and you have to do with one another uh bar barbecues <laughs> yeah that's i don't know how much time we have on this casey but um but i love barbecue barbecue i love barbecue as much as football and it and a lot of the same things about the two have in common it's it's usually a communal thing it's a celebratory thing it's a fun thing it's it's doing it the old school way with over live fire is the is to me the the quote right way to do it and okay. i live in the south and it's a big thing here and i grew up in texas and it's a huge thing there um so yeah it's it's uh, i love barbecue and then I, we got into it uh, I, for a long time i thought about a restaurant and doing some other things and the other thing that that has kind of been 
a thing for me is 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 kind of compassion ministry type stuff and homeless folks and there's a there's a, a nice uh, ministry in Knoxville that does a uh, weekly gathering thing where they'll feed folks and and have clothing and supplies and, and different kind of stuff and I remember seeing it one time I went down there to help and what I was struck by were two things one was how many people there were there when you don't have a standard come in through the front door of the mission type thing when you have it in this open area under the bridge thing we have with no walls um you get a much broader range of people you get people that are more or less off the grid um and and not in the system somewhere so you get that and then the second thing i realized was and not always am very careful to say this casey that i don't sound negative on it but a lot of those things have food that's like leftover stuff it's yesterday's bagels or out of date you know food or whatever right. that that is almost ready for the dumpster or maybe totally ready for the dumpster and and they do that just to not waste it and it struck me as like you know, what my faith is a big thing to me. And the Bible talks about first fruits, you know, at the altar and don't bring your, your garbage to the altar. And it struck me as like, why don't we come down here with our good stuff? Why, why do these people not deserve the best stuff I know how to do? So we built this goofy giant ass trailer that will cook 64 Boston butt pork shoulders at a time. And, and we'll roll in with this really good barbecue, the best I know how to do. I mean, I love it that I can say that, and, and I, this is bragging, I guess, but I think it's true. And on, on one night of the month, the best barbecue in Knoxville is, is, is under the bridge and it's free. And, <laughs> and I think that's super fun. And, and, and there, there's some, there's just a dignity in that part of it. It's not that it's, um, again, I don't ever want to denigrate the folks that donate food like that. Cause that is a good thing, but there's some, there's some dignity in handing somebody a plate of food that you would serve your best friend and and so we started doing that and, that and that's been super fun we've had our hiccups with covid stuff and and mm -hmm. we're just back getting started back again um but it's it's super fun and that's so that's that's sort of been my connection i've realized that was the that's the restaurant i need i don't need a restaurant i've got enough other things going on that i can kind of scratch that itch of making food at scale you know when i want to and not have to manage a restaurant maybe one day but not not today <laughs> what's that is just super amazing like such a great story and being from texas and barbecue is a big thing in texas like you said uh -huh. was there a favorite spot to get barbecue when you're in texas yeah again we don't casey this i'd be holding another show here <laughs> um yeah i love i'm partial to texas barbecue i think it's the best in the world but i think my favorite uh, louis miller um in taylor texas and um, it was where I fell in love with barbecue and I, I think they're still my favorite. Um, Taylor's not far out of Austin and is, is just like the authentic. When you walk in the door, you can all, you, you should be able to judge a barbecue place first by how it smells. If it doesn't yeah. smell awesome, the second you get close to it, you, you know, it's, it's something's not up, but Louis Miller just smells like heaven when you walk in and it's, it's, 60 years old i think wayne miller uh, runs it now louis was his grandfather and it just is just is steeped in tradition and hickory smoke and post oak smoke and is just so so incredible that's probably my favorite and then a lot of great houston now is starting to crush barbecue they used to kind of be behind but truth barbecue in houston is outstanding blood brothers is incredible in houston um 
uh, there's so many good ones. Austin, of course, Franklin is the one everyone knows. It's fantastic. It's it's worth it. It's probably worth the wait at least once. I don't know every time, but it's incredible. Law Barbecue in Austin is run by Leanne Miller. That's Wayne's sister and the Miller family there. And then you get up north, and 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 um, I mean, it's not quite as much um, uh, North Texas, but Evie Mays in Lubbock is fantastic. Um, you go to te- texasmonthly.com and has a ton of that. They're kind of the Bible for, for barbecue, but yeah, uh, Texas has got it going on. Yeah. We have Hutchins and McKinney. So that's, oh yeah, the, that's, the, Hutchins is good. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing everybody about, but yeah, there yeah. isn't a lot this way either. So, you know, yeah, Hutchins is, great. is pretty good, but like, I don't know. I don't eat enough barbecue. So when you go to bar to, to order, what, what is your go-to order when you order? If I'm in Texas, it's a standard. I said, you gotta, you gotta be, you have to be able to judge, you know, compare. So you need to get kind of the same thing at each place. So I'll I'll get some, you know, brisket has got two ends, a lean and a, and a moist end and a, or fatty end. I get a couple slices of fatty brisket and a sausage link. Usually it's kind of my go-to to compare. Um, but usually, and I go, and you know, you we'll 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 I'll, we'll have to get together next time I'm out that way, and yeah, you go do. with me. But you you, you got to you, you go to a couple of three places at once, so you got to pace yourself when you go yeah. through. You can't just go all in at one spot. But uh, yeah, brisket is where it's at, and that's something that we just don't get much of in in the South as good as as y'all do in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, and Knoxville. Yeah, I don't think barbecue when I think Knoxville. So it's cool that you're bringing that little bit of of flavor mm-hmm. there and, and helping out while you're doing it. So that's awesome. And you brought up entrepreneur being an entrepreneur and everything. Mm-hmm. So you prior to the fantasy football business, what were you doing? I was, exactly? uh, I started a boat business in 1990, um, Bryant boats. And so I, I've always, I, I, I told someone the other day, Casey, I think I may have like authority issues or something, but I've, <laughs> I've never, I've always worked for myself. And, um, and that's it's it's also funny too. Back it's kind of like fantasy football. Back in in 1990, um, it wasn't cool to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur meant you couldn't get a job at Texas Instruments or IBM wasn't hiring. You know, and now it's cool. Um, but but yeah, so that's that's all I've ever done. We started Bryant Boats in 1990, co-founded that company, and um, so for 10 years I, that's all I did and then starting about 2000 is when I started doing football guys and the boat company at the same time and did that for 15 years and then finally realized that I just wasn't doing a good enough job at either place and so we sold the boat company in 2015 um, but yeah it's I, and, and I always say to I'm quick to point out it's, it's that path is not for everyone um, entrepreneurship has its ups and downs um, and, and pros and cons. And, and for me, it's been the right choice, but it's, it's certainly not for everyone. Um, but it's, it's, it's the only way I've ever known. So I'm, I'm too old now to get a job working for somebody else. You know? So <laughs> I think I'm stuck on this path. Well, it's a great path. And here's, you brought up Scott fish a few times and mm-hmm. I feel like every episode of the show, his name gets brought up at least everyone once. Loves Scott fish, yes. Yeah. Everyone loves Scott fish. And, Scott Fishbowl, you had brought that up and about how it's, you know, like Mardi Gras, big party. When the Scott Fishbowl kicks off and, you know, they have the potathon and everybody's, uh-huh. you know, T-shirts and everything like right. that kickoff moment. Why do you think people are so excited to take part in that? That's a good question. I think he's done it 
one, I think the timing helps. It's right there in a time where it's kind of the first draft for a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 kind of breaking in to, to what they're doing. The second is he's always he's just done a good job of keeping it interesting um and having fun with it and and you know making you know making it an attractive thing to do um and then it's you know and it's really good you know it's good it, it's just good um uh, i don't know camaraderie i guess it's a i think he's he's done a great job of mixing in kind of industry people and not and and that that's been super fun um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to pin it down the why it's so fun and, and the charity element of it is fun too. Um, you, you know this, but I think our fantasy football community is a very generous place. And, and so there's always, you know, I think that resonates with a lot of people and it's kind of the same flavor I've got with that barbecue thing. I think that's, that is sort of the same thing of people, you know, getting as something easy to get behind you know, and have fun with. And so, yeah, I, I love it. That's, it's a fun time of the year. And, and uh, yeah, Scott's my buddy. He's, he's, he's such a good guy. Who really is. And I think that, you know, I think Scott Fishbowl brings people together and there are more and more analysts and people putting out fantasy content because of Scott Fishbowl and right. the networking and everything else that comes along with that. And I know right. networking is a big part of getting, your stuff out there and, and getting your yourself heard. And I talk a lot about this with other people on the show, but about how some people feel like they don't want to overstep their boundaries or come off a certain way or be, you know, I don't want to you know, contact this guy because I don't want to bug him. But how can people go about networking without it coming off that way? Yeah, that's um, and that's a hard thing because everybody wants to be, you know, it's a crowded I mean, what, what I was saying earlier about it's awesome that, you know, you can make a movie um, with your phone now The the problem with that for the creator is that everyone can make a movie with their phone now. And, and yeah. it's the same way in, in Twitter, right. Or any, any community of, yeah, okay. It's, we all can have a voice, but it's hard when everybody has a voice to, you know, to get stand out a little bit. And I think I'm, I, I'm no social scientist, Casey, but I, I think that's part of what drives some of the more, you know, not, you know, good behavior on Twitter is people are just trying to get attention. They're trying to act mm-hmm. out and that this is how I'll, I'll get my, you know, foot in the door is I'll be obnoxious. And that probably does get attention, but maybe not, you know, in the right way. But um, I, I think that the, the long, the short answer and the honest answer on that is it's a continual slow steady effort of delivering value um to the community when i at least for me it is when i notice someone with what if you want to get my attention be that person that is out there continually bringing value and conducting yourself in a way that that is like man that i would be they would be a good representative for our company to have on staff and and that's that's to me how i how what i pay attention to anyway and today I mean, I tell young folks all the time is like your resume today is basically your social timeline, you know, and so in every, every employer I know the first thing they do when they're considering hiring someone, they just go and check and see what, you know, what, what's their Twitter profile look like or timeline look like. And that, that will tell, I mean, I always say, you know, care, what do they say? Characters, what you're doing when nobody's watching or whatever. And Twitter people are watching, but it's sort of like you, most people don't think about applying for a job when they're posting on Twitter. Yeah. 
and and so if you you know and and for good or bad twitter is is somewhat revealing um on some things and so uh, I, that would be my advice is just continually bring content um deliver value that, yeah that's that is great <laughs> advice there when it when you're um, putting out content and doing all this stuff, um, how do you find time to like, do you ever feel burnt out or that you need to like take a break, take a nice step back and, and kind of just, I know fantasy football is your job, but also <laughs> there has to be a little balance there. Right. Well, I love it. We, we made this comment every, every year about this time I send a note to our staff is like, y'all, I'm giving you full permission to like punch me in the throat. If I suggest we should do baseball content <laughs> or basketball. Um, I yeah. love it that there's a break, you know, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, gosh, there's not much of a break, is there, you know, but no. <laughs> at least there's a break from the season of the games, you know? And so, um, yeah. And you do have to manage that. I had this conversation with Dave Kluge, our mutual friend. And, mm-hmm. and, and he was like, you, you got to pace yourself, dude. Like this is not, I mean, I know you're young and, and have tons of energy and, and all this, but it's a long season and it's just now April, you yeah. know, and it's like, so be careful. So I always, is this, and you know, we've done as society a better job about mental health and, you know, rest and, and that kind of stuff. And it doesn't mean lazy, you know I mean? Like the flip side, you know, what some, some stuff, like I, my pet peeve word now is sort of, well, not sort of, has definitely become grind, you know, like grind, grind, grind. That's the way to do it. And and the, it's weird because gr- working hard is absolutely a giant part of this. You know, I'm not saying you don't have to work hard, but you have to know yourself and be able to take a step back at times. And I mean, I think it's just healthy, I, you know, I, I, not, and there are not many, we're, I think this is funny, Casey, and there's not many, businesses where you get that opportunity like we have of a season i mean outside of being like a farmer you know where you've got a real natural um you know season literally a season and i I, it's funny i i I think it's almost i'm not sure that that isn't like the most healthy way to work like i I don't know that that's how we as humans weren't designed you know to have a a seasonal type approach to things and so I, I love it the way it works with football is like, you know, this time we're knee deep now in design stuff and kind of boring back end stuff of how, you know, customer flow goes and what happens when, you know, there, this here happens or that happens or, you know, the kind of structure and the workflow of things. That's that's kind of boring stuff in some ways, but in some ways it's a lot of fun, too. And then then we'll. The same way we'll, we'll be planning. We're doing more planning stuff. What's our dynasty content plan? What's our Debbie plan? What's going to happen with commissioner stuff? What's going to you know, go here and there? And that's, that's a you know fun way to plan. And then come like July and August, that's our selling season. And then we're, we're kind of like the farmer harvesting, you know, the stuff there. We're actually, we make, we make all of our money in about a six week window, which is really weird way to run a business, but that's reality. And then, then the season starts and then it's just, you know, 23 weeks of execution. Okay. We've, we've said, we're going to do all these things. We've made these promises to our, our customers. Now we have to deliver on this and that's fun too. So it goes from being real creative in the summer of like, Hey, what if we did this? Yeah, that'd be fine. I'll try that and come up with these creative ideas. And then you hit week one 
and then it's it, Clayton Gray, our general manager, because it Groundhog Week. It's 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 literally twenty four <laughs> weeks of the same thing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, every week, and and that's kind of comforting too. It's like you don't have to think about any new ideas much. You know, come that time, you're just delivering on what you promised. So, but I would I, I encourage people be sensitive to that, um, you know, burnout thing, and and uh, you know, you just have to know yourself. It's self awareness. Um, and it doesn't mean slack, you know, it doesn't mean slack off, but it also doesn't mean, you know, work your face off every single day either. You know, you work hard, but then you also can take enough to, to stay healthy, get plenty of sleep, get not. And I'm, again, this is old man time here, but that's, <laughs> I've learned these things over the years. I mean, I used to be the, the guy that everyone, you know, was marveling that I could go with two hours sleep or whatever. And the reality of it is that catches up to you. You wind up being less productive you know, when you're doing that, then you think, man, you know, I'm th I'm just sitting here thinking about like, man, I, I feel you on the sleep thing because like you feel you, you're not as stressed the next day. You can get, like you said, be more productive, like mm -hmm. the things you have to learn as you get older. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, um, but I mean, that's great advice. What do you like to do in your free time when you, when you're able to just like chill and, and do whatever you want to do for fun? It sounds dumb, Casey, but I, th this, this, I mean, this is why I don't, you know, I, I wonder, I mean, I, you never say never, I don't ever like to talk in absolutes and all this. So who knows what might happen, but I, I envision myself doing this for 20 more years. I mean, and because I just love doing it. So, I mean, it, it sounds goofy, but in my free time, <laughs> I, I think about like business stuff. I mean, that's my hobby. I don't, it's not like awesome. I'm a workaholic on it. It's like, no, I, I really enjoy you know, how to come up with a different marketing message or learning about that or reading about how other people have done it. And I mean, I love music and movies and, and barbecue and all that. So I've, I've plenty of other stuff to keep me going, but, but this, this really doesn't feel, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, it sounds too cliche to say it doesn't feel like work. It is work sometimes, but, but it's, it, it this is, I, I enjoy the game of it. To me, it's a game. I don't, I don't play golf. I don't have that many other real hobbies. Um, outside of you know this kind of stuff but that's this is what i like to do for fun so it doesn't really feel like working no that's awesome and it's really co cool to see that um i mean a lot of people i've talked to are like yeah it doesn't feel like work and i enjoy doing it so it's really cool to be able to see all of you go out there and do things that you know because a lot of people me included are like <laughs> oh i go to work every day and i work to get off from work so mm -hmm. it's cool to go cool to see right. you know right. um, <laughs> well we're gonna go ahead and um wrap this up since you know i did go to work today and now i'm here but this is the best part of my day right is being able to talk to you so well thank you I mean, this has been super for fun for me I, I, yeah, it's been, and very knowledgeable, you know, I've learned a lot and I'm sure everybody listening has too. Can you go ahead and just one more time, tell everybody where they can find you and what kind of stuff you got going down? Yeah. Footballguys.com is the easiest way, Casey. And then the easiest way to engage with us is right there on the site. We have a, a area to sign up for our email update and we'll, we'll give a ton of free content away right now. We're doing it twice a week. We have one that comes out on Monday morning and Friday morning, um, and it's just a taste of what we're doing. And then once the draft hits, that'll turn into a daily thing. But you can see what we're doing there. Tons of content right on the site. 
um, basically it's in, in, in a nutshell, it's the tools we think you ought to have to win more at fantasy football. That's, that's the site in a nutshell. And that's, um, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make, we're trying to help people win. And that's, that's really what it comes down to for us. Well, we appreciate that. And everyone needs to go check out footballguys.com and make sure that you go check out Joe Bryant's Twitter as well. And, um, Make sure you also come back next week for another episode. Get real with Casey Kasem and stay right. Thank you, Casey. You're very welcome.